Welcome, everyone. We're on with your program, Let's Grow Together, your host, Mordechai Weinberger, LCSW. Mordechai Weinberger, licensed clinical social worker. We're here to take your questions or comments along the mental health issues from whatever it should be, from all ages, let's assume from ages 7, 8, 9, and up, all questions, all topics. The number to call in to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. Of course, we would like to thank, as always, JRoot Radio for hosting us, for hosting this program. We'd like to thank the Lakewood Scoop, and we'd like to thank Matzah for hosting these broadcasting, these live. You can see us live on their website. So the question to call in, the number to call in for any question or comment is 718-683-5858. The topic that I would like to discuss, at least open up the discussion with, is about marriage. I'm finding that there are certain couple of little pointers that happen over and over, and when those come up again and again, it starts causing issues. We're not calling, causing divorce. We're just talking about certain bumps that happen over and over. And what I find from experiences that these aren't just issues that affect the husband or the wife. It's usually all over. It's usually in other places with at least one or two, probably even three other areas. So just to take an example, um, let's assume a husband's coming into the marriage and let's say he had came from a difficult background or he wasn't getting a certain amount of love that he expected or that he wanted. So now he's coming to the marriage expecting that he's going to get his full attention and his wife basically, let's say, will mother him or his wife will give him extra time. Now, let's assume this same woman, this same wife now from the same, this couple, she comes from a household where it's the other way around. A man is a man. A man does things on his own. He's got the hammer on one side. He's got the screwdrivers on the other. Anything that has to get done, it's taken care of right away. and Everything is easy and smooth. And all of a sudden he starts going, we're not talking enough. Why didn't you make the supper this way or that way? And she's used to whatever the wife puts down. That's what the husband eats. And he says it's great. And the issue is the other way around where the husband isn't that emotional, where the father doesn't compliment or the father doesn't offer too much advice or doesn't offer, say, or too emotional how great the supper was. So here she puts down the supper and the husband is so thankful. It's delicious. And you did this and that, shooting so many emotions, which she likes, but to her she finds a little too emotional. And at the same time, he now wants to talk while she was ready to go do other stuff. And this difference of ways of systems of working things out is what I'm finding is what's happening in a lot of the marriages that are going on, which means that there aren't problems. These are normal steps. We have two different people getting together and learning how to work things out, learning how to have a different path. And what I'm finding is that when people are coming in for marriage counseling or when people come in or when people ask me questions about marriage issues, it's always about my wife. She isn't emotional like a wife should be. Or they would say the husband, he isn't a man like a man should be. And what I'm finding is when I'm asking them, okay, let's stop focusing on the other one. Let's start looking at you. How are you used to things? What was your expectation that a marriage will look like? Is it matching that expectation? If it's not, what can you change? What can you do? The number to call in to ask your question or comment about anything in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. 
And one of the important points that I find that when now, when I'm working with people, let's say with marriage or when we're giving the guidance, when I have teenagers, is it's about being able to teach our kids to see something, to learn to not only to accept, but even to embrace a different style and together my style and another style that I did not believe is successful can actually be a fantastic harmony and then points can work out. And that is something that I would like to focus on and for us to realize that my way is just my opinion, the other one's way is their opinion, and together we can form a third way. So not only aren't there, isn't there only one or two, there's even a third style. We're going to go to Hana first. Hana, you're on the line with Mordechai. Hi. Uh, first of all, thank you for your show. Um, Aaron, we got over here a difficulty with the speaker in this room. We'll take care of it in a minute. Hannah, stay on the line. And for those of you calling in about any question, the mental health topic, the number is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And Hannah, go ahead to try talking again, and let's see if we got you going. Hi, good afternoon. Excellent. Yes, we'll just raise the volume. Um, just continue talking. Okay. I first want to thank you for your hotline and for your show. It's really appreciated okay. and enjoyed. Um, do you hear me clear? Um, just about. I'm hearing you very low. We're working on it technically. It's from the, the earphones that I'm hearing it? All right. You know, so maybe, do, do they reach? Oh, okay. So we'll take care of that in a minute. You know what, Hannah? Just hold till we change it. I'm going to take a question from the Lakewood Scoop. Just hold, Hannah. We'll take care of it. The speakers are just, just adjusting. Um, okay. So let's go over here. The question from the Lakewood Scoop is, a Brooklyn mom says, I wanted, so if you can give some advice on how to pick a competent therapist. After I called Relief, they gave me a few numbers, but I need someone that is on the ball, attentive, like you know, can I ask a therapist if they are experienced in treating the subconscious and not subconscious? Okay. Um, let's, let's be clear sometimes when people ask, how do you know if you're getting a competent therapist? I am a very big fan of Relief and of ECHO. These are Jewish referral organizations where they refer to therapists that they have experience, that they meet, and that they also go with feedback. So your feedback is important. Um, I know there are some therapists that feel that they weren't able to connect with them or because they didn't have a name, they didn't connect. That's what some people say, but I don't find that. And I find that they're very great, very good, and they have experience. If all of a sudden they start getting a lot of negative feedback from the therapist, then they would switch around. So they are one of the positions out there. One of the styles is using relief and echo, and I use them all the time. Now, what that means is that you're going to ask for a specific issue. They're going to refer to someone that either has an expertise in that area or someone that knows something that at least you can start from there. So if someone has OCD, they'll either refer you to an OCD specialist now, if you've gone to one or two therapists and that style didn't work, CBT or ACT or whatever it should be didn't work, then they might have a different modality that they might recommend to. Now, if someone likes subconscious work, as you're, let's say, asking, the quest, the, I would sort of say the difficulty is that there aren't many therapists that are trained in the subconscious. It's not something that they teach. From the few therapeutic modalities that teach subconscious is either, um, which is either Freud's original stuff which is psychoanalysis, and they have no more modern psychoanalysis, which isn't very quick-oriented. Or you've got hypnosis, which, again, from my humble opinion, doesn't have that 
great success rate when you're trying to deal with OCD and therefore one of the steps that I've done in using subconscious is almost combined it about three or four different systems that I liked of it dealing with it. However, most when you ask about a subconscious therapist, the only ones that do it are a lot of alternative therapists, which I personally like a lot of them. But at the same time, you got to be careful because they're not licensed, because they weren't trained. Sometimes you get a lot of quacks, unfortunately, that start telling you things about your past, your this, your that, which are also not so comfortable. So you got to know the balance between the, do, the two. Most of the, let's say, relief and echo, they will refer to licensed therapists. Um, licensed therapists usually don't like the alternative world. Alternative world usually doesn't like the license. And I usually, and I happen to like both, and I see a positive to both. And usually when I would take courses in the licensed places, they'll tell me, oh, you believe in that stuff. When I go to the alternatives, they'll tell me, oh, you you're a licensed guy. And I find each has their power for what is needed. And the, the combining and being known how to mix the two together is what's out there. So one of my dreams, one of my goals are, Merit Hashem, they should be happening very soon, to be able to train several people in the style sort of that I've combined it, that I feel that works, which is classical therapy, but at the same time taking those pieces and combining it with some subconscious. So in, in the future, we'll be able to get there. So your question is how to know who's a good therapist, a competent therapist. First, find out who's a good therapist. Also ask around to people who know, let's say, in the alternative world, if you'd like that, who's someone that's very good and successful. And as well, speak to the therapist. Get your feeling. Don't hesitate to call up a therapist. Most therapists you can call, speak to them for a couple of minutes, and you'll get your vibes. You'll get your feelings. You can ask them. I've gone to this and this therapist, what, what modality will you use? What are you different than the other one? And we take it from there. So Hatzlacha, good luck, and get educated. Go to a therapist. You're not satisfied in the first three to five sessions. Speak to them about it and feel comfortable and free to change. That is your right. Let's try Chana again. Chana, you're on the air with Mordechai. Okay, thank you. Okay, I have a question not exactly on the topic, but nevertheless I feel it's important. My children, ages seven and under, have a grandmother who has borderline personality disorder. Okay. I would like to know if I should tell them anything about it or whatever I should tell them and when. The other two components to the question are that some of her children or children-in-law are not as Hasidish as she would have liked, and that's why she's behaving toward them hostile, ignoring them, or something of like that like scenario. So they would see that when we get together by Malava Malka or Hanukkah, Purim, such stuff, or Hasanas, of course, you know, from the grandchildren. And um, the other thing is we're from the youngest in the family, so if that matters. <laughs> so, so what is your, my question is, if I should tell them anything, and what and when is a good time to tell them? At what age? What all right, age? Let, let's just clarify, when you... When people throw diagnosis out there, borderline, could you tell me some symptoms of why you're calling her borderline instead of just a tough personality or someone we, that's fabison or someone that's hurt? There, In order to diagnose borderline, you need certain criterias. Not right. every hurt pay person, not every controlling person is borderline. There's Correct. a difference between borderline and narcissistic. There's, I'm just wondering if, it's, if it was like by a licensed therapist diagnosed or just like from reading it and you're just giving me an idea. To me, it makes a difference. Right, I understand that. Um, the family was at a family session by a licensed, um, I guess, therapist or whatever I should say, from referred by relief. The grandmother or whatever herself was not there, of course, 
Yeah. And according to all the systems and from that discussion, she was diagnosed. Okay. Uh, all right. So then let's just, let's assume that the diagnosis is borderline. Let's call him a real tough person. All right. Let's not go into that level. Okay. Now, let me ask you, if we change it from borderline to a tough person, how, what would you tell your children about that? My question is if I need to tell them anything or I don't need to tell them and they'll just, when they see what's going on, it doesn't have to affect them. Or my, I want to be proactive. When they come with questions, how do I deal that? Because I don't want them to lose respect for the grandmother. So in general, so let's take your question at this time. How much exposure, quote unquote, do they have to this grandmother? Do they go there every Arab Shabbos? Do, you, do they have lunch there every Shabbos for three, four hours? Does she put, put her guilt on them? Does she not talk to them? Like, what, what's the experience? Are you always there when they go there? How does it work? Okay, usually they, when they would be there, they would be with one of, the, one of their parents, my husband or myself. Yeah. And they do not always, ex they have a good relationship because we are sort of the, the good kids, okay? Yeah. So exposure to what's going on is basically like a paramechanica, occasional malava malka, or let's say weddings or other simchas that they would get together, and they might or might not see how she's acting towards the other family members. Yeah. Now, let me ask you something. One of the things about borderline, when it's real borderline, is they don't just have it, they also turn on the favorites as well. Because right. If it's, but if it's real borderline, that means they're controlling at all times at every aspect and they use pain hurting themselves and hurting others as part of manipulating and love is one of the tools that they use to manipulate which means you or and your husband and your kids will not always be the tzaddikah means at times if you don't do something that you that she thinks you should have known that she wants you to do she will attack you and berate the kids have you had that um, yes but my kids are too young for them to also be like um affected by it as of now she did not do anything or tell them anything like she didn't tell them don't be friends with so-and-so cousin right not yet good so now here's where it comes in what would you do in general because let's let's also be clear about two things part of this is where whenever i work on this and i need to give this major disclaimers you also have to be in touch with the rav because there are a lot of mitzvahs or averis mitzvahs s and loises of kibbud of aim that get involved over here and there are boundaries where a rav has to be consulted and when we deal with borderline Mm -hmm. or with grandparents or, that are not healthy or parents that have emotional issues, which unfortunately they are. We work with the Rabbanim within, within the community. So let's be clear and let's understand your basic question. Your basic question is, there's a grandmother. Let's assume now we worked out with the Rav what yes and what not to say, when to get involved. What do you tell the children? And this is sort of the same question that I would ask you. What do you tell the children if they have a malometer, if they have a teacher that's a little bit tough or a little bit strict? or someone that can sometimes yell at others, or you have a friend or a neighbor that can yell, what would you tell them then? That we need to respect everybody, no matter how they're acting. Yes. Now, what because about the behaviors that they're doing? When they start telling you, oh, don't talk to this one, or don't do that, what will you tell them to that, about that? You just come discuss it with either Tati or Mommy first. That's right. So, but let's, let's, again, let's help take it out of the emotional area of being a mother or mother-in-law, Mm -hmm. and take it again to the neighbor. Let's say a neighbor would tell your kid that was a good friend, say, oh, don't talk to that other friend because I don't like him. What would you say then? What would you tell your son? Let's say you have a seven-year-old boy and his friend Chaim tells him, Moishi, your, your son's name is Moishi. 
Chaim tells Moshe, don't talk to Yankel because I don't like him. What would you tell your son then? I would tell him if there is nothing wrong with a boy, you shouldn't just listen to him. That's right, exactly. And here's where we're going to do it respectfully saying, if he's your friend or if he's your cousin and you would like to talk to him, and if he's good to you, the cousin, you're allowed to talk to who you're allowed to talk to. Again, this has to be done in a way where you also speak to a Rav because mm -hmm. one of the points that, unfortunately, those unhealthy parents or grandparents that they do, the borderlines are, they throw around that mitzvah's kibbutz of aim car. You have to listen right. to me. Because there's a mitzvah's kibbutz of aim, therefore they can control every aspect of your life. And unfortunately, you're over, unfortunately, a lot more love and listening to them than the other way. One of the classical things that borderlines do is they would be yelling to their children about their husbands, negative about the husband. It's, you yeah. speak to their abundance, it's open love, it's Lashon Hara, pure Lashon Hara, and so many other things that they're over that actually you're not even allowed to discuss it. And there's, I don't want to share because each, so far I've worked with three, four different kehilas, and their abundance gave, each of them gave advice how not to listen or how to stop it, but each one is given their way. So therefore it really has to be within. But some of them say, oh, we changed subjects at this point. Some of them say, oh, I can't, I got to go. Every, every Rav I found done in different kahilas had their style. But one thing has to be clear. Listening is also not healthy, both halachically and, and on a psychological level. So we're going back to your children. Let them get older. Don't be proactive, which means be proactive that they can always share with you questions that they have and things. Mm -hmm. But when your mother or mother-in-law start triggering you or start triggering them, and if they ask you something, Feel free to tell them, treat it as if it would be a stranger telling that to you. And if they say, but Bobby said, Mitzvah's Kibbutz Aim, then you'll say, oh, then you know what? We'll speak to a Rav. We speak to a Rav and no. You know, sometimes Bobby's would say something like that, you know. I get it. Yeah, okay. but, but we also don't have to educate them. I wouldn't throw around the word diagnosis to children, let's say borderline, or something like that. I would okay. sort of say... You know, listen, the parents went through a mulchomo. She had a, you know, you could say a tough time. So she's like this, but she loves you. When we need help, she's there. If someone is, is someone has a simcha, she brings the gifts. If it's a bar mitzvah, she's always smiling. Focus on the positive parts and also keep your distance because if it's real borderline, then they have a talent of making fights. It's almost called splitting between therapists. Borderlines, one of their talents is having fights between therapists. They would tell a therapist, oh, this one said this about you. This one's, It's amazing what they do. It is. It yes. Is. And when you deal with borderline, you need experience. You need to know what's going on along those lines. All right. I appreciate Does that. it answer Thank your you question? Go ahead. No, I'm asking. Does it answer your question? Oh, clear? it does answer my question. Yes. Thank Excellent. You so and as your kids will get older, you're going to see that they'll laugh, Bobby's Bobby. You know, you have some of these babaloch that talk, I'm so worried. And, you know, and you, we all grew up with a babaloch like that or, or a great aunt that was like that or an alta yidin, the besmedrish that was like that. And you just laugh it off, you know, or you have a friend that had a grandmother like that. So these things are, you know, our you brains know can handle it if we're not being put in the guilt and we're not being said, now you must follow that. I understand. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you Have for the question. The number to call in for your question or comment about the mental health field is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And you can watch us live on the Lakewood Scoop and on Matsav.com, the Lakewood Scoop, and you can submit your questions there or over here. Call in to 718-683-5858. So I'd like to continue with this focus that we started off just discussing the topic a little about the marriage concepts, how small issues 
can be a big issue. One of those points is what I find is when someone comes in with this expectation now that I'm going to get married and marriage is going to be exactly what I had in mind. So we'll take one example for a husband, one example for a wife. Example for a husband is where he comes in and he's assuming, great, we're going to be home every single Shabbos. We're going to have guests. We're going to have company. It's going to be Leibedic. Have you ever thought about it for a moment if your wife, if she's working, how she's feeling? Does she want it every week? What's your budget? Did we ever take that into account? Or let's take, for example, Kalos. They're getting married, and the first thought's, wow, I'm going to bake apple cake. I'm going to bake this. Have you ever thought about that maybe your husband has got to watch his diet and he's not ready for all those foods, or he, doesn't, he can't eat all that food? So when we get married, we have certain concepts, or sometimes the oh, Kalos could have an idea. We're going to get married. We're going to be by my parents every single meal. And my brother, the, my husband, my husband's going to get so, he'll get along with my family. We're going to be so close. Every yuntum, we're going to be together. Wow, it's such a party at my parents' house. Maybe he wants to build his own house. Maybe he only wants his own point. So again, the concept where we come into a marriage with certain preconceived notions, which makes sense and it's normal. That's the only way we can get into any business transaction, into any um, communication, into any, inter, into any interaction with any person is, with based on our assumptions and their assumptions. However, the point that I would like to focus and to recognize is one of the beauties of marriage is that we're able, the more flexible we are to learn another style and able to see there is beauty to the other style as well, the easier that marriage transition is going to be. And when I say flexible does not mean giving away, does not mean now completely saying I am nothing and who I am and what I feel isn't worth anything and now I gotta, you know, I'll please my husband, I'll please my wife completely. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the balance of being flexible and at the same time knowing who you are. Looking forward to taking your questions or comments in the mental health field subject, 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. That is point number two. Let's go to point number three, which is, I find, very, very important in the concept of when a couple gets married and to be little bumps that make a huge shift and a big difference is, what do we call a timeout? What we call on vacation? When we would like to just connect. Some people have a style where they like to sort of shut down, disconnect. They need a little space. They need a little time for themselves. Others have a question a lot more action, coming and going. And that is something that I find happens many times. Um, I'll just share. We got over here a question that someone's asking for my office number. At this time, I'm really not sharing the office number because Baruch Hashem, with helping people, Rabbi Shalom has sent me the max that I can handle right now. So it's really this service out here, this phone line, this taking over here, the radio, is more for information for people, and that's the goal. So at this point, I'm currently not really taking clients. It's actually been for a while now, and this is really one of the ways of giving back, of helping out. People have questions with, since I have various experiences in different modalities, so I figured, you know, this is one of the ways we're helping out, so I appreciate that. But at this point, we're not mentioning it. Um, so let's go ahead and just understand that point. A couple, when they get married, some people love traveling the world, traveling to India, going to all exotic places. 
while the other spouse might just like being right around the corner. I like staying home. I like having my friends. I like having the restaurants. You want to give me a break? Be home early. Let's hang around. And sometimes it's the other way around. It can be the husband that's the other way around. I work so hard, I need to travel. And sometimes the husband will be the other way. I work so hard, I just want to stay put. And sometimes the wife is the one that's saying, I like seeing interesting, cool places. And sometimes she says, I just want to stay home. The way you take a vacation, I find from experience, has a lot of stress on a lot of people. And when you want to finally take that vacation, instead of having a vacation, it causes more anxiety and anger ahead of time. And during, and then after, it wasn't enjoyable. No one had their relaxation because they weren't able to relax. They weren't able to let go. And that is something that we need to realize, a third point, normal issues that just can affect a marriage where we get stuck, where we get hurt. I'd like to mention a fourth point, which is kind of interesting, and that is as well, in a marriage, when we come in making a certain assumption, which is very real, and it's very true, but at the same time, it has a different effect, which means when we make certain roles, what is the father's role and what is a mother's role? So the mother's role is, I am going to do these four tasks, your roles are to keep those four tasks, and one of those are, one of the big ones are, timing. Being on time or being late. I somehow find where the Rabbi Shalom takes certain opposite people and always put them together. And I find it hilarious. And always wondering if the Rabbi Shalom, like, sort of, don't know if it's a cover to go away saying, but has sort of a sense of humor. Taking someone that is very on time to marry to someone that is very late. Someone that is very emotional, marrying them to someone that is very not emotional, very placid. Having a person that loves sweet foods, loves different tastes to someone that just likes the same three, four recipes over and over. Having someone that is always hot and having someone that always, oh, let's say, always needs the heat on and having someone that always needs the air conditioner on. The Rebbein somehow puts them always, these two opposites together. The number to call in for your question or comment in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683. 5858. Now, what's interesting is that I see it many times where you've got a husband and a wife. So, classically speaking, a husband is the person that is less emotional, someone that has got no, you know, doesn't need feelings, and the wife is someone that's emotional. And I find interesting that when you finally find that husband that is very emotional, that husband that's so caring and so into everything, you would assume that the Rabbi Shalem is Meshadachim with a woman, with a wife that is so emotional. And somehow I find it amazing how the Rabbi Shalem will take that emotional guy and marry him off to a girl that is not so emotional. And you finally have this hugely emotional wife and she's married to a guy that's a typical classical male figure, guy that he doesn't need that emotions. And this balance, this learning, this new way, this third way, that both ways are correct, that is the main focus and the point that I find that's one of the main things that the Rebbein Shalom wants us to learn, wants us to grow in marriage. When we can learn that, when we can master this middle ground, this, that style is right, my style is right, now how will I learn from the other style? That is the main focus that I find we have and that we as a person grows. So let's take for an example where I would be a person that has a difficult time saying no. So I would, let's say, be a very emotional person and want to say yes. And let's assume my spouse is someone that is easily saying no. 
one of the complaints will be this person isn't emotional, this person doesn't care. And what I find the lesson is, is for that spouse to learn how to start saying no. We're having over here a dogma, we're having over here someone modeling it in front of us for us to learn it. And the only way we can learn it is from seeing it and from recognizing that we need it. The number to call in for your question or comment is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. And Aaron, let's go take a couple of questions. We're going to start with Dina. Dina, you're on line two. You're on the air with Mordechai. Hello, Dina? Yes. Yes, hi. Thank you so much for taking my question. Yes. I really enjoy your hotline, um, your phone line and everything. I'd like to ask you a question a little off topic. Please go ahead. This mind. is. I'm just picking a topic to okay, start sure. for awareness. Yes. Yeah, okay. Great. I have a five-year-old, and he's that type of boy that he loves to eat. And when he comes home, he's going to ask, like, for food. He's going to ask, like, for a banana, and then I'll go to pretzels and an orange. And I feel like he really has the wrong relationship with food. He uses it as a type of, as a form of, you know, entertainment, and he's always looking around for food. And I was wondering, like, how we can make him have this healthy connection to food. For example, yesterday he came home and he had, like, several rice cakes in his hand, and I was, like, wondering what are these rice cakes all about. So he was, like, asking his Rebbe if he could have a rice cake, and his Rebbe said, yeah, why not? And he took seven, and he wanted to eat all of them. And... I don't know, it's not like, neither me nor my husband are like this type that we talk about food and we like go, we're like very simple eaters. So I was wondering like, what this could be. All right, great. So we'll take your question, just announcing the number again. For those of you that would like to ask a question or comment, 718-683-5858, Let's first understand, and this is so difficult, that's why when we get questions about three-year-olds, five-year-olds, these are so age-appropriate. It's more the parents that we need to relax a little. It's very normal for kids to want seven, for kids to want... You take them to Toys R Us, and what do they say? They want two toys, or they say, I want every toy out there. Kids like rice cakes. There's no problem with lighting... Correct, but we feel like he's never... like We always joke about him that he's like this boy that he never feels full, because... He just goes on and on, another plate of soup and another plate of soup. And the problem is that we see that with our other kids, too, like small kids, like the, the six-year-old and the two-year-old. They're all like, I don't know, we call them like food addicts. <laughs> I was like wondering, How what, much, what do am you I guys doing talk wrong? a lot about food? Is there like stop eating or don't eat so much? Is there a focus? Relax. Let kids be kids. And what I would tell you is let them have ten plates of ten bowls of soup. Just keep the house sugar-free from those unhealthy stuff like the pretzels or whatever. It should be the starches that help gain weight. And have a lot of the other stuff. Just, just have diet. Have, have cucumbers cut up. Let them eat lots of it. Let kids eat. If we deprive kids, they're going to be walking around deprived. I need more and more food. So that might be a trigger because like, I, I stop him like, by breakfast, eat an egg and a bread and vegetables, and I stop him after one bread. Maybe I should yes, like relax. Bread. Let go. Sure. Don't have the bread on the table. Have whatever you'd like. Have the whole wheat breads. In public schools now, in yeshivas, all they're serving is whole wheat bread. That's part of now the curriculum. Base your, base your house on a healthy level instead of candies and potato chips. It is. We are very health-minded. So, not very, but we are. So, you think that, that might be a trigger that I'm like too... Uh, again, you're taking my words out of context now. I am not blaming you saying you're a trigger. No, I'm saying this is blame. age. No, I am saying this is age-appropriate. Kids like to eat. Some kids you're going to find won't want to eat. Certain kids are going to want to eat more. Let them. Stop worrying about it. They're going to turn 13, 14, 15, and they're going to say even younger, 
you know, I'm fat or kids made fun of me. Okay, so what do you want to do about it? Would you want to work on eating healthier foods? You'll work it out with them, but don't hold kids back. What's this fear, this concern? If it's healthy foods, let them live. Let kids be kids. Got enough issues of just going through school. Enough stuff just being in the house, having enough attention. Relax. Mm -hmm. Don't fight the kids with food. Those parents, I find, too into their kids. When did you do this? When did you do that? These kids are fighting. Part of the issues when kids rebel is from that. We're too into them. Let kids be kids. Let them flow. Right, but I was trying to think maybe I'm, I have to teach them the healthy connection to food. Like, like At what oh, age? Five years old? They're, at, at, at four years old, they're barely using the bathroom correctly. They're still having accidents sometimes. Like, let's easy, relax, let go. Don't worry about teaching. Kids pick up, they learn. And most importantly, they learn from our example. How are you about food? Are right. you very conscientious? Are you very nervous? Are you very worried about it? They're going to get it. Mm. They're going to get it. Focus on yourselves more, relaxing, letting yourself go. Let the kids smile. I would ask you how to focus more on smiling. What steps can you do for there to be laughter? Do you have music playing in the background when the kids are home? Are you mm. have coloring books out there for the five-year-old? You know, yeah, that's, sure. what, that's yeah. what I'll tell you where the focus should be on. Let's have more relaxed. Have them talk about school. Have them have friends over. Have them have neighbors over. There's snow outside. Right. Let them play in the snow a little. Let kids be kids. We're so worried about the structure that we're putting onto them. I find that's extremely important. It means when I find the parents calling up saying, oh, we don't have structure. No, structure is extremely important for the kids. Mm -hmm. But sometimes we're so worried about structure and we're looking, oh, the other five-year-old's doing this, five-year-old. Some kids pick things up at seven. Some kids pick things up quicker. Everything, mm. just like the human body develops differently. Some grow earlier, some grow younger, some have blonde hair, some have black hair. Mm. Relax. Let's let it go. Okay, great. I'm happy. Yeah, to relax. Just, like just, have, just set up your house healthy. Let them have as much vegetables as they want. Cut uh -huh. up five cucumbers, ten cucumbers. Have, okay. the, have the peppers out there. They want to eat. Go ahead. Soup, a healthy, wonderful point. It's healthy for them. Have ten bowls of soup. It's liquid anyhow. Uh, you know, cut out the fatty foods and just have as many as they want. Let them eat. They'll go, wow, I feel full now. Fantastic. Great. Let them feel happy. Okay, excellent. Okay, excellent. Good. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so, so much for your answer. My pleasure. And for those of you listening, when they say for my phone line, I have a daily, I have a phone line which I update daily questions and answers, daily motivational quotes, and that number is 718 298 2011. 718 298 2011. Um, the number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We are going to go to Surrey. Surrey, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hello? Yes. Yes, thank you so much for taking my call, and thank you so much for your wonderful program. You're very welcome. Uh, yeah, okay, I have a question about my son, a seven-year-old. How old? Um, seven. Seven, yes. Um, yes, he's a very smart boy, but he doesn't have the confidence. And I wonder how I can build it up in him. Like I'm trying right. to do a role model. Okay, Aaron, um, I'm just going to ask you if we can close the outside door, the double doors over here to the green room. I'm able to hear the feedback, please. I appreciate it. Um, and the number, again, to call in for your questions or comments about any subject, 718-683-5850. I should say any subject in the mental health field is 718-683-5858. Let me ask you an interesting question. What would you say about your level? How would you rate your confidence level from 1 to 10, um, 10 being the best? I'm not very confident. I don't want him to go up and know that way. But I see... Wait, wait, hold on. Before we go there, just give me the number that you would give yourself the confidence. 
Um, I'm actually working on it, and I have to call up on the radio. But so you're saying that you're working on it now? I'm, I'm aware of it. So I Good. So just give me a number. I will need you to understand that your number is very much dependent on how much you're going to be able to help your kid. So let's start that way. Give me a number, rough number. Doesn't have to be exact. Could okay, be average. I'm average because at times, like when it's not important to me to stick out, I, I don't. And if it's important to get something going, I would, I would force myself to do things. So. Okay. So let's rephrase the question. Your program really educated me in the past. So okay, I, so let's rephrase the question now. Instead of asking me, how do you help your seven-year-old to have confidence? Let's raise it. How can you? How can I build my confidence? Okay, yeah, but there's one more thing to it that sure. he was actually more like a happy-go-lucky kind of kid. But last year he had a very tough year, and it, this is like sort of the remains of it. it was very restricted, and it was very. He was in a very strict class, and he like he's. He's like afraid to talk to people because it's like he wants to and he has what to say, but he holds back the last minute. Okay, so if, if you can forgive me, I'm going to beg to defer and tell it to you a little bit different. I am not so sure of the reason why he had that tough year and he shut down because he was closed, because he couldn't say and he was locked. Or maybe we don't have the parents, do not have the tools on how to teach him when you're going to have a tough time like that, how to deal with it. Uh -huh. So let's, that's why I want to take it to you. I want you to realize that we can blame the entire world for everything. There was a tough no, friend. There was a bad Rebbe. There was a car accident. No, no, I wasn't like that. No, no, I don't I'm, feel that we're blaming. No, now. that's why I'm trying to... I, I want you to... I one of your questions about a kid that, that, you know, one of the questions you had about a kid that is misbehaving and I'm not to at home. Yeah. So I also want to say that, that my son really, I mean, I talk to him a lot. I do spend a lot of time. I know, but let me explain I, I, to you. Now, hold on. Now, I need to take over over here this phone conversation. Okay, fine. I need you to realize kids are born with confidence, and as life happens, we get pushed around. When parents have the tools of how to teach confidence within themselves, then they can transfer those tools to the children. When parents do not have those tools, then we cannot transfer that information that we don't know. And therefore, when I asked you, how are you confidence? What's your confidence level? Exactly for that reason, I wanted you, A, to realize the confidence that you do have, that you called into a show which is live to thousands of people, and it's recorded and you know the, on the phone line to thousands of people, so you have a lot of confidence. But in certain areas, you might be missing certain tools. So now... What I find is you cannot teach something to someone, in my theory, in my opinion, unless you integrate that information. So yes, in a mental health field, like a surgeon, a heart surgeon does not have to actually go through a heart bypass or a triple bypass in order to help someone, but they need to have a certain level of information to teach it further. So if someone wants to be a heart surgeon and teach someone else to be a heart surgeon, they need the information. If you would like to teach your children something, and then we're going to give them information, but then he'll have a setback, which is normal, but you don't have those answers to those setbacks, you're going to be calling me now every single week how to deal with this and how to deal with that. What I find is, and what I recommend to my clients when I see this in the children, or it's one or two children, I usually tell them, let's not, don't send me your children. Come yourself. Parents, come individually or together, whatever is needed, work out your issues, and once you got your confidence within yourself, you're going to see how easy you're able to teach that not only to one child, but to all your children. So I'm not blaming in any which way. What I'm saying is this is an opportunity how to build your confidence. So 
Maybe you'd like to rephrase your question that I hear you say is, what tools can I learn to master confidence that I could now teach those steps to my children that I could help you with? But when the point is about your son or your daughter, the seven-year-old, whatever I will tell you, there will be another setback coming along the way, and then you won't have the tools how to do it. So that's, they have the saying in English, give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. My question was to sort of teach you how to fish, so you'll be able to help your children for that. I understand, but like right now, they have, for instance, a performance in Haider. They have so a what in Haider? Like, they have what? They had, a, they had a performance, his class performed. Yes. So, so he was standing, so I saw a picture of it, and he was standing sideways. Like, everybody was looking at me, and so I had to turn around. So I told him, like, um, so what did they see? They see a weak little boy, and like, why? And then I spoke to his dad, and I said, I said that he did notice it, and I'm like, so what can I do, like, at the moment? Like, Okay, so you again want to ask your specific question. How do I help my like, kid in the I'm moment and not me? I'm not sure um, what we're not getting. I'm trying to tell you I want to teach you how to no, fish, and you're repeating to your question. I just want to give, just give me a fish for today. I'll give you the fish for today then. All right, we'll do it your way. The fish for today is you practice with your son ahead of time. Okay, you're going to, have a, you're going to speak, and people are going to be looking at you, and I want you to be able to ignore them. And you That's might put exactly dollars. what I'm doing right now with them because they're Ah, and why didn't it work? Water. Why didn't it work? No, I, so I want to know what I should say and what I shouldn't say. Tell him. All right. Now, that question is something. He, like, wants to, but then he starts, like, laughing and whatever. And then he actually does break his fear. And All right. Sorry for that question. I appreciate you calling in, but that needs more of something else. So we're going to go now. I appreciate the bravery of calling in, and we're going to go. We're going to go to Miriam on line two. Miriam, you're on the air with Mordechai. Good afternoon. Thank, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. My I pleasure. The number to call and to ask your question is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. And then we are going to take a question right after that from the Lakewood Scoop, which is a fantastic question about ADHD in an adult and with a child. Go ahead, Miriam. I called you last week regarding my 10-year-old child, the one that likes to eat. Yes. And I was going through, I sat him down, and I was going through some of the scenarios that you taught me, you, the techniques that you gave me last week, and I'm happy to say, it did work. Let's hear. He's 10 years old, my son, Kanai Nahara. And I told him, I'm not taking away the food from you, Sadik, you, but I was giving him a timer, and I said to him, you have X amount of time to finish this amount of your plate. And he's like, but why? I said to him, because if you eat fast, you are not going to feel satisfied. So he looks at me, and he's like, she doesn't look, know what she's talking about. She's just talking. So I said to myself, you know what, well, let's just do it. So he said to me, okay, mommy. And like in saying Yiddish, you know? Yeah. He, he, so, so to speak, he listened to me, and then he saw after he finished eating that it actually worked. Yes. And after, like, a couple of days, Chazay HaKadosh Baruch you know, he is eating a lot slower now, Baruch Hashem. Yes. Yes. 
And it, listen, Rome was not built in a day, and you know, this is not something that's going to be cured in a day. But the bismuch slowly it will be cured. Yes, thank With you. With that caller that called before, yes, she should she should be looking at what her kid is eating. If the kid is obese, I wouldn't say give your kid whatever they want. With moderation, but do at five years old is not a time to teach your kid how to plan diet to be a dietitian. But she should watch the kid because you know there is unfortunately childhood obesity is up in the rise now. Yes, and I so agree with you. I agree with you. And first of all, appreciate Miriam for the for the positive feedback on how it worked. Baruch Hashem, you're able to use that tool. And yes, for five years old, that's why I said let kids be five years old. But at the same time, I mean, I am a big believer in letting healthy foods throughout the house, throughout the room. That is important. I, under, I understand that. But if a kid has an eating habit, even good food could be a tzara. So we have to, as parents, Hashem doesn't give us children that we can't handle. Yes. So we have to know that if we see our child eating massively, them. We have to take the bull by the horn and say, okay, we have a problem. Yeah. And sit, and sit down. Even though the kid is five years old, break it down to a five-year-old level. Yes. But don't be running to doctors right away. Monitor the kid for a couple of weeks. And if you see after a couple of weeks, the kid is still doing these habits, then you talk to somebody. You know, Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for calling in and for that feedback. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. We're going to take over your question from the Lakewood School. And it goes as follows. Wait, we're hearing feedback over here on the, on the mic. The number is, so the question over here from the Lakewood School is Rabbi Weinberger. First of all, thank you for being out there. I'm a male in my 30s. Very recently diagnosed with ADHD after my nine-year-old daughter was diagnosed, which is known. Um, sorry, Aaron, we just have over here the mic is talking. Some other things are going on over here. Let's go read this again. Rabbi Weinberger, first of all, thank you for being out. A male in my 30s, very recently diagnosed with ADHD after my nine-year-old daughter was diagnosed, which is known to be very common to get diagnosed after having a child with mirroring symptoms. And that is very, very true. Let's take step one. I work with a lot of people, and it's surprising to me how many men, adult men, that I'm working with are really ADD, and it's not diagnosed till years later. And let me just explain some of the symptoms that are happening. So for those of you listening, you can finally make sense. Do you have someone that's, let's say, 30, 35 years old, even 24, but just give the example in the adults where you see that, where they're smart, they're intelligent, they're full of personality. They can accomplish anything. They have energy to do things. Everyone loves them, but they're not successful in any jobs. They get fired from jobs. Every year they're changing, they're changing jobs or they're in a job for two years, but it's so rocky they're coming late. They are listening to the boss. They have a tough time listening to the boss. They're coming up with their own ideas. They need to be, they can't be limited. They can't be structured. They, like, they need action. They need so many different things going on at once. These are classical signs of ADD or ADHD, which means you have a successful person that everyone is expecting him to go into business and he'll be great, 
and he's running five different businesses. He's always exhausted. He's never home. The wife's always complaining, what is going on? Why, what's, why aren't you there? And because of that, what is happening many times are that they don't realize that they're just ADD. What ADD or ADHD means, the mind is flying fast. The mind is moving very fast, and therefore staying on one task is difficult. Why should I be 10 minutes early and waste that 10 minutes that to them it feels like two hours when I can do one more task, I could just hop around and then I'll get it all. And what really happens is then they're always 20 minutes late or a half hour late. So even as a child, we'll just continue this question, I was never hyper. And Baruch Hashem, my daughter isn't either. We have the inattentive type, means they can't focus and stay focused. It's not about, it's not going to take up I'm not about to take up your whole show, talk about myself growing up. It's about how I was treated for getting a 16 on my test or for not getting 100%. One thing I know is that Baruch Hashem, my daughter, is much luckier than me. That's right. So these kids are smart, intelligent. And the many times the parents say, if you'd only put your focus that you put for the toys and learning, you'd be genius. They would like to, but it's boring to their mind. Not Chas Hashem, the Torah is boring. Or the way the teachers even teaching is boring. They just need a lot more stimulus to be able to get it going for, that, for it to be interested for them. My question to you now is like this, and it's for me. My daughter is in a very good program, Baruch Hashem. What can you suggest for me, other than therapy, which I'm in, and medication, which I'm on, and I'm still trying to adjust, but I'm in it to win it. What can you add? Example, how can I daven one Shemayin Esrei without my brain flying all over the place? I finished Tehillim at least once or twice on Shabbos, but I do not remember what I read on the previous page. Any ideas, I'll be listening for the next two hours. I have so much more to ask and to talk about. Well, number one, it sounds like the medication is not adjusted yet. If you're able to say Tehillim and not notice it and not remember what you said, means your mind is still racing. Another point just to mention that many times people are not that aware of is and that is that sometimes with ADD, because they went through such difficult times as a childhood, there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of anxiety behind it, which we also need to pay attention to. And sometimes it's not only the ADD, it might be anxiety or stress. A third point that ADDs need to recognize is you are gifted. You have a bracha, but every bracha also has its limitations. So let's make an assumption someone has the zitzvah, someone has the patience to sit for 10 hours in one place, What's the negative to that? These people aren't usually energized and not the ones that are going to come to the wedding and it's going to be dancing and geschmack all over. It's usually not what's going to happen. So you need to realize the power of your energy is, I would not recommend, and you speak this, of course, with a Rav, but the energy of the Rav Shalom put here for you is not for you to sit and say maybe the whole Tehillim and remember every word. It might be to say Tehillim, it might be read, um, leading a Pirche. It might be getting Chesed organizations going on. And that's your Tapkid. Let's stop trying to be the cookie cutter that we have to be in certain areas. Let's use your kayach that the Rabbi Shalom has given you. There's the famous Gemara that I quote several times in Mesechtis Chagiga that's brought down that Rava and Abaya, one would get a baskal from Shamayim, one would get every day, I don't remember which one's which, one would get a Shalom Aleichem, um, one, sorry, one would get it once a week, one would get it once a year before Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and the Gemara brings down that there was a medical doctor, a blood letter, that would get every single day a message from the Rabbi Shalom saying, Hey, Shalom Aleichem, Abbaskal, saying, How are you doing? And the Gemara explains, You know why he got more than a Bayan Rava? Simply because when he would take the blood from the women, he would have a special gown that they can be sneers, they can use just a slit where he can take the blood out gently without compromising on sneers. 
When we use our Koyach, who we are, what the Rabbani Shalom gave us, to the max and to the fullest, let's look at what the Rabbani Shalom has. This person was to have every single day a Baskal. If you're ADD, A, maybe medication needs to be recognized, maybe there's anxiety going on, maybe you still need to reevaluate what are your capabilities. You might have very high expectations that aren't real for anyone, and not even for you, just because your ADD is telling you, I'm so talented, I could do it all. Many times, not many times, ADDs live life in theory and not in reality. And when you got to bring that into the thought, the theory, into reality, it's impossible, which can cause a lot of stress. You might be trying to memorize too much. But at the same time, it might be that's not where you should be spending your energy at. Maybe say that to him, but don't have to memorize it. One step at a time, grow based on your natures and based on your strengths. So hopefully this will give you some information. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And we're going to go to Maishi on line one. Maishi, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hi, thank you very much for the show. I really appreciate it. I listen to it every week. And it's really helping me a lot grow, and, and I gain a lot from it. Thank you. Appreciate okay, it. Okay, my question, my question is as follows. Um, basically, um, I'm a counselor in camp for many years already, and... Um, I've, you know, uh, I've, uh, I know a lot of kids, and so, you know, most of the kids, you know, come and go, but there are some kids which, you know, I keep in touch with, and the parents come once in a while sometimes, and I take them out once in a while. But my question is, again, my question is that I've seen, I know, I know, literally, I know at least, I know at least 10 kids right now that I know of that, they're not, they're not at risk yet, but I see them getting worse and worse, ninth graders, and they're already, like, you know, like nice and Shiva and everybody hanging out with, you know, with, you know, I mean, I don't want to go with girls, but they hang out with, with, with the, you know, very bad guys and they want to smoke weed and they want to do all the bad stuff, but they're not, they're, they're doing it because they want, they want attention, but they're not, they're not like, they're not fully off, you know, like fully at risk yet, yeah. but, they're, but they're getting there. My question is, you know, people tell me, you know, that, you know, they'd be nice to them, you can't skim with them because they might get offended and they might ditch you and, and I'm the only one that they have right now. That, you know, that, that's at least a little normal and, you know, yeshivish, and the I've talked to them. So, and people tell me that, you know, if you start, if you start giving them a muster, then it won't be good. But on the other hand, I feel like, you know, it's my choir to do something about it. So I'm not sure, should I mention anything about it? Should I not mention anything? Should I try to stop them? Should I not try to stop them? Like, what should I do exactly? So, can I ask you, Moshe, how old you are, roughly? I'm 22. 22. All right. So first, let's recognize step one. You're an amazing, wonderful guy. And you're a guy that's ver that has a heart because all children and even teenagers, really all adults, but especially children and teenagers, listen to heart, listen to feelings. And if they feel someone is there for them, they feel comfortable to open up and to speak to them. So let's understand this concept that you're a very special guy that they open up to. Now, now let's get to where therapy comes in. When I get a client, I need to assess, and that's usually when I start with a client, I go, what is our point? What is the goal of you coming here? Are you here for whatever the point is? And that's the primary target. What is your role? Is your role now to be machan of these ninth graders, these 13, 14-year-olds? Is your role to be a friend with them? And you need to identify, is your role to save these guys from, from not slipping further? Each of those points have a different solution. So let's 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 start with you. What do you feel your target should be with them? 
I mean, I, was, I mean, I didn't have a mind to even you know to start being a mechanic. I'm being a That's not my job. And I don't know. I don't know too much about Kiev. I don't know too much about being a I was just trying to be you know a friend with them. And you, know, you call me once in a while. We hang out together. We go bowling once in a while, just to be a friend. But recently, I mean, but like you know, recently I've seen it like you know getting really you know in front of my eyes. It's getting worse and worse. So I just don't know if it's my job to start learning how to do it, or should I just continue being a friend and that's it? Okay. So again, so let's first recognize, so what your question is more is, you're a good friend, you hang out with them sometimes, they speak to you, but you see things are getting worse. What can yes. you do? Correct? Yes. yes. So first let's recognize, one of the things to really help these children is you got to be hands-on with them. And especially, I'd say you use the word weed, so I don't know at what level they are and what level you're able to deal with them. Now, the next question is, are these guys generally in the same yeshivas? No, no, not at all. Every, I mean, they're all different, age, different families, different people. They don't know each other. I just know them from different years of camp. Just from different years of camp. So it seems like the, the kids that have some trouble, or the troubled kids, seem to connect to you and they find like a, a heart or someone that yes, understands yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, yeah, I have one kid that he has no father, he's full of alcoholic, he got divorced, and he's no relatives. His mother, I mean, mother always told me I'm the only one that he has to talk to. I'm basically like the only one he has to look to, so that's why I feel more of a quiet to take care of him. He doesn't know where babies. Not in yeshiva now, and I'm, still, I'm the only one that can do something about it. So that's why I'm a little like. All right, so I like calling you the tzaddikim of the generation. So, Moshe, my friend, you're taking a role that I feel is almost too big for you to fill, which means if this kid's out of yeshiva, he doesn't have a father figure right now involved, and you're 22, and I'm assuming you're in yeshiva, or if you're working, or whatever you're doing, you're busy full time. These kids need a figure. They need someone to speak to two, three times a week, someone to give them love and as well as tough love to tell them this is not healthy. And that's usually right. the role of a father figure. So most of the time, like the first seven to eight years, it's more the mother's love that's there with a the father, like the father energy sort of like setting boundaries when's bedtime, how to get along, as we've had some calls today, how to eat, appropriate amount to eat. But generally, when the boy is turning the, from that 13 to about the 18 is when you need more the father figure to discuss those subjects, to say this is not appropriate, even though you want to, even though you need it, even though you really like to, even though you think momentarily you will have a happiness, but that's not real happiness. Real happiness is when the person's on the diet, you overcome that craving, and inside, inside you are strong. But that role, these people need someone. So the recommendation is, today we have wonderful organizations from... You've got from Jewish Boards, JBFC, Jewish Board Family Services. You have OL. You've got several organizations where they offer Bikrochilim. They're having therapists there, and they take all insurances, all of these things. In Lakewood, for an example, they have two wonderful organizations, Chemed and LCSC, which they take all, or they take basically all insurances. These guys need now to start connecting to a healthy person, and most of the time it can be a therapist, which is to start giving them teaching them the basic stuff and part of what we learn in therapy is sometimes to do the tough love component but my first information for you is that you're almost trying to get in over your head each of these guys need one person full-time if you know 10 kids you cannot divide yourself into 10 kids and right, into right, 10 right, right, i can't do it that's right so my them? point is my next recommendation to you would be to let's say call up let's say our place like high glance just speak they're always available to speak to you or find out, and you ask them, who is someone that you can speak to? Who is someone that you can refer the parents to? They might have some mentors. They might have some therapists that even take the insurances that they're on. And this way to start connecting to someone that can speak to them. And someone, because you want someone with experience. Again, if the boys exactly, are in exactly. yeshiva, 
if the boys are in yeshiva, I find the suggestion a lot more different. I suggest that you usually speak to the parents or you tell the kid ahead of time, I'm going to speak to your parents. I'm going to ask your parents if there are any of the teachers or rabbim in school that you can connect to. Is there an uncle that you like connecting to that you like speaking to? And sometimes going there for Shabbos, speaking to an uncle once or twice a week, what these uncle's family members are very willing to do. You need more help. You want to start building an alliance. You want these kids to start building connections to healthy people, successful. And successful does not mean financial. Successful means success in their lives, success in their marriage, success with themselves, success with their children, success in their business. And it doesn't mean money. It just means they're able to take it and run it the way they need to. When kids are around very strong or healthy modeling people, it has an effect on them. And this is one of the points that can help them out. I know, and one more thing, but some kids, some kids, I mean, there are some kids that really have a problem and they're willing to go for help. I spoke to some kids and they told me they're willing to go speak to somebody. But the other kids, which I asked them, you know, like, what's going on? They told me nothing. And they think, I mean, I know they don't think so, but at least they tell me that they're having a great time and, they're not, and, they're not, and they don't feel bad and they don't, you know, like, they're enjoying life and like, they don't even want to go to help. So should I push them or should I just let them go on? Let's, let's totally first divide it? numbers. I, I would like to show you a certain principle from, let's say there are 10 boys that you're connecting to, right? How many of those yes. boys are willing to get help? How many of them? Um, about two or three. Oh, and the other eight are not willing to get help? Oh, eight, I didn't really mention it straight out. I need help, but I just, you know, I asked them, like, what's going on? And, like, they never, you know, they always tell me they're having a great time, and, and they always tell me they're enjoying themselves, and they're not interested in going to Shiva, and, and they're having fun, and this and that. So they don't even, like, they think they need help. But the other one, at least they told me straight out that, you know, they realize they're not doing well, and they want to go to help. So All right, so, okay, so first, I would say the main focus is first focus on the two. First focus of two guys, get them for help. If we can save two kids, it's huge. Now, the other eight kids, one of the point is don't catch them at night when they're hanging around with their friends. Catch them at 2, 3, 4 o'clock when they're waking up and when they've got nothing to do with their time. Catch them at the time when they're feeling lonely and then ask them what's going on. When you're catching them 11 o'clock at night with all their friends together hanging around, they're usually not going to admit it separately. But if you get them during the daytime, you get them on a time you just talk. It's all about enough time, giving them the time to open up. No one is happy living a life without structure, living a life without having what to build on. They might How do you find get them to open up? How do you get them to open up now? No, I mean, I mean, now, but I mean, like, open up to to, to admit time, that, that they're not joining Time, you. time, connection. Part of what happens that's very stressful for me, at least, in the therapy system is that sometimes people tell me, I'm coming to you already eight times and I'm not seeing much. And I go, Rabbi Shalom, you're one of those hardest closed nuts out there. We can't get in there. I ask you a question, you could barely give me three words. Now I ask you a question, you could give me four sentences. It's like we're still busy building that therapeutic alliance. We're still trying to get into those emotions there. You're so locked. It's not me the issue. It's unfortunately the client. And the right. concept that when we go through college, when we go through supervision is it's not us. You just got to stay the process. Do the job one session at a time, one phone call at a time, and with Siata Deshmai, we'll break through. It's not our job to complete the task. We got to have the balance. You got to be able to do uh, over and over. So and I just, so I, I just thought I was just thinking about like thinking about any topic, not anything. That's about right. Them, just connect. Just connect. Just like, about like anything. About like anything. Just like any, any topic in the world. Just that's right. We'll and you that. connect once. Don't make an expectation of them opening up their heart to you. Not the first time. Not the second time. Not the third time. But again, mm -hmm. my friend, one other thing I need to really recommend to you, Moshe, and that is. 
have someone speak to a guy like a Chaim Glantz, call up our place, find out who are the therapists there, just get a little guidance because you're treading. I need you to realize people think like teens at risk. Wow, I spoke to them. Teens at risk are from the hardest cases. Very rarely do I take it because there's a lot of work that needs to be put in. And no, it's hard to do it. These kids aren't at risk yet. I think they're, they're, they're still like... They're still like I would clarify. I call them at risk. When you call them, like when you see them already completely out of yeshiva and doing all the worst things, they're already, unfortunately, problems. They're not at risk. At risk is when there's a risk, we could still pull them back. I would call those uh -huh. guys at risk. Your yeah. kids are at risk. The other ones are unfortunately off. It takes 10 times more to get them back on. So mm -hmm. think of it as a highway. They're, they're now leading off the exit, but they're still on the highway. They're still on the path. The car is still moving. There are kids, mm -hmm. unfortunately, you get those what you consider at risk. The engine's already, they, got, they, they went off the road. They're stuck in the woods, and the car is not moving. That's very mm -hmm. hard. So again, you're on a very, yeah. you're in an area where it's almost like life and death, Sakonis Nafashis, are laying in your hands and get guidance. I'm just the beginning bit of information, but to deal with them, you're so going to have daily questions. Can I have a number to, to uh, our house? I don't have it right away, but the name is Our Place. You can Google it or just our anyone okay, in the, Our Place. Is it Brooklyn? It's in Brooklyn. It's in Brooklyn. Yes, it's in Brooklyn. Okay, it's fine. on actually Avenue M. I'm pretty sure it's M. And, uh, Google. Okay, fine. Yeah, our place, and they have over there therapists, and they have volunteers. It's com almost completely run by volunteers. So right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you, Moshe, and continue doing the amazing, great work that you're doing. Chani, we're going to go you. to you online too. Thank you for holding in the number to call in with your question or comment. Is seven one eight six eight three fifty eight fifty eight seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Hello? Yes, thank you for holding. Hi, I just want to say I love your show. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm calling about my son. He yes. is He's going to be five soon. Um, and he's been an only child, and recently um, we made a big move and also had a new baby. And um, over the past few months, I've noticed a pretty drastic change in his personality um, and his moods. Um, now, a lot of people have been telling me that it's very normal, it's just an adjustment thing, and I do realize that it's a big, big change for a child that, that age to move um, and start at a new school and also have a new sibling after being a child for that long. Um, but uh, my gut tells me that there's something a little bit, um, you know, out of my, uh, out of the range of normal that's happening. And I just wanted to get your, you know, your opinion on this. So let me have um, some more details. What do you say is his mood changing? In what way? Okay. Um, he's just, he, he, we were just watching videos of him just about a year ago from when he was about three, you know. And his disposition it was much more easygoing, much more, um, like, he, he didn't sort of lose it. If anything, now nowadays he sort of loses it if anything doesn't go his way. And okay, he's very let's, difficult. Let's, he let's, let's first identify this one point. What we need to realize, and I'm going to say this very clear because we get a lot of these questions, and I need you to understand, not just you, just all the parents listening out here, when you have the young kids. Young kids, their children, till the younger ages, they're very much self-centered only about themselves. So they're smiling, they're happy when they get their toy, they're upset when they don't get their toy. As the children get older, they have more awareness of out there. They start being more aware of changing classrooms, they start being more aware that they have friends, they start noticing that they want to have other children to play with. At three years old, they're completely happy on themselves playing with their own toys. 
At all of a sudden, <laughs> six, seven, they're saying, Ma, I'm bored. I want to play with someone. At 10, 11, they might feel I have no friends. There's nothing, uh, let me phrase, it's healthy for children as they get the awareness, as we say all the time to every positive, there's a negative. Being aware of themselves, and your child might be someone that is an aware person, might say, oh, do I have friends? Don't I have friends? And we turn more introspective. We turn more quiet. So when people say, look at my three-year-old. He was able to speak at the Chumr Suda. He was so loud, and now at seven he can't. That's every child almost can at two years old, can just get up and say it. You ask them, start the Manashtana, and they say it. All of a sudden they get to four, and they won't say it. They're ashamed of everyone. What happened? Nothing happened. This is normal age-appropriate. And as they get older, and if the parents are healthy, they're able to help them bring it out on the healthy balance. So what I would like you to realize is your five-year-old is healthy. This is normal age-appropriate stuff. For me, getting the questions, when I'm getting about the three, four, five-year-olds, most, 99% of the answers are going to be, it's age-appropriate and relax, parents. And we can have one or two tools that we can help you to bring it out, continue doing it, that it will bring them out as they get to their awareness. But relax, let's relax. Most of the questions that I'm getting are these three, four, five, six, seven, are relax. I can tell you the answer ahead of time. Chill. It's easy. We'll work it out. So now, but, let's... Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it just seems to be impairing our everyday um, life. Uh, he, he, like when I go pick him up, he, he just seems angry at me. He'll turn away and he'll just start walking away. He won't. He doesn't want to come home. Um, when we pull when we pull into the driveway, he starts crying that he doesn't want to go home. Um, he doesn't want to go to school in the morning. He hates his school. Um, he never really did that in our old, um, like, he loved his old school. He never gave me trouble uh, going or coming home. All right. Um, well, let's take a step back. Okay. Kids crying to go to school is age-appropriate. It's age-appropriate not to have it at a time. It's age-appropriate to have it at times. It means also they could have just changed lunch. They could have changed the seat. A little thing, and now he doesn't want to go. Could be a little kid doing something. Could be that you're waking him up. Just giving examples, too rushing. Could be a lot of little points that are causing it. Now, as you said, changing and moving can also be that way. So part of the questions that you could now connect him is saying, I see you're angry. Are you angry? Just asking him, are you angry lately? Or when I picked you up, you didn't want to come in the car. Why? Just ask. Five-year-olds are very verbal. They don't keep secrets. I'm not angry. I'm, so, I'm not telling you. Oh, why don't you want to tell me? Because you never listen. Oh, why didn't I listen to? That when I told you, when you take me to school, you don't buy me a drink. Oh, so all you want is a drink? It's so easy to get out of the children. Just ask. Right. Kids but in ask. this case, the answer is that he doesn't want to go to school. Um, that's, you know. And now and you ask further. Angry. Ah, so there's something you don't like about school in a question form. What don't you like about school? Tell me. Right. This class, I don't have my friends. Oh, would you like me to speak to the teacher or to the Rebbe to make sure you have friends? No. Mm -hmm. How many? Which boy would you like to be your friend? Chaim, Yanko, Maishi. Good. You call up the teacher that day or the Rebbe. Um, my son is new to the school. He's not just now. Well, he would like to be friends with these three, four kids. Can you help him integrate? Can you have him connect? You can even have the teacher have Chaya Moshi or have the mothers call up your son. Hi, how you doing? You can have them come over for Shabbos to play together. Ask, mm -hmm. ask him what are the three, four points that are bothering them. Kids are very verbal at that age, and then work on the solutions. That's simple. Right. So kids he told adjust. Me that he's bored. What? Um, and I should I should let you know he's told me that he's bored and the difference between the school that he's in now and the, the school that he was in last year is that they were it was a very different this is a traditional type of uh, you know um, 
method, and the methodology in the old school was was not your usual thing. They learned. They taught the, a three-year-old how to read, um, and he he was he was up to things that normally they start in first grade. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if this is a legitimate concern. Is is it's not because five-year-olds the class and the information is very engaging. So you could ask him what part's bored. Maybe he's sitting in the back row. Maybe the teacher's not giving him that much attention. Maybe he's used to more attention. So you bring it to the teacher's awareness. Integrate him more. Ask him more. Teachers are willing to help out. They just need the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have him even talk to him. Even after class, park your car. Instead of driving him home, go into school. Call up the teacher. Say, can I come in after class? We'll sit with you two, three minutes and work out with your son. What will make him happy in school? What would he like? It could just be three, four points. And by the next day, it'll happen. He'll love it. Sit down with the teachers. They're there for us. Right. I've spoken to the teacher, and she said that sometimes he doesn't, what he doesn't like is that he, he, he can't really sit, and f- he doesn't like to sit and finish his, his work, whatever it is, his arts and crafts. He's, he loses focus very easily, which I see at home, too. He doesn't, it's very hard for him to finish a task. All right. So, I'll, all right. so let's again stop. Let's, okay. And we're going to go soon to the next, we're going to go right after this now to the next caller. Your son is age-appropriate for five-year-olds. You ask the teacher, how many kids don't finish his task? It's okay. And you can discuss with him, with the teacher, we want you to finish the task and we teach him. There are different styles. One teacher can be very energetic. The next year will be less. And this is part of the adjustments that we need to teach our children how to live, how to survive, how to grow and thrive through different natures, through different people. But again, five years old, we're talking about a little five-year-old cute little kid relax, chill out. I feel you're the one that needs more the reassurance. If you can picture your son 20 years from now, married, healthy, successful, relax, chill. I know. I I, I would be more relaxed if he was more relaxed. Uh, No, no, that's not how it goes. That's not how it goes. We are the parent, not the children. You need to be relaxed, and it will have him relaxed. The parents, we need to lead. We cannot have children lead us. We cannot have their moods reassure us. No. Mm-hmm. We need to lead by parents. We need to lead by example. We need to lead with, our, lead with our assurance. We'll help all the doubt and we'll change our children. If you get more afraid, imagine Hasrul Matsal member comes and the wife goes, Oh my gosh, my husband's having a heart attack. And someone goes, Oh my gosh, your husband's having a heart attack. <laughs> that's exactly what's happening right here. Your right. son's going through a difficult time and you're the one that's not at ease. And I don't, I'm, I'm purposely not asking how your childhood was or how you were getting along with friends or how successful you were in teacher. Don't answer that because we're going to go to the next caller. But I just want you to realize your, in, your insecurity is what will now be mirrored and reflected and what might even be having your son not getting out of it quicker. Work mm-hmm. on yourself. Feel secure. Feel assured that your son, Meritation, will pull out of it. And you will see how easy and with one or two tools it helps. That's, again, my difficulty with that. I'm going to make a request, please. If we've got parenting questions, do it from questions above nine years old because anything under that, I'm going to tell you it's age-appropriate. And parents, go ahead work on it. Work on yourself. Take a course. Take a class. So we want to limit the questions if it's about parenting to age nine and above where it's more an individual, not something that's focusing on the parents. We're going to go to Rifki. Rifki, you're on the air with Mordechai. Thank you for holding. Hello, Rifki. Line five. Hello? Yes, you're on the air with Mordechai. Hi. I am talking about the two-year-old. Oh, all right. <laughs> uh, let me give you the answer. We're going we're, we're gonna to go to some other callers. They're not even going to take this. 
It's all, let me give you the answer now. It's age appropriate. It's okay. It's no problem. Your kid is fantastic. Will Metzhem grow to be 120 with Siata Deshmaya? Excellent. Married. Everything will be fantastic. Go ahead. Take a parenting course. Reassure yourself. You're good. It's normal. He can cry. He can be happy. He could not want to go to sleep. He's a-okay. All right? Thank you. And I apologize that you held so long for that. But it's all going to be the same. It's about your confidence, about your strength. We're going to go to Chani. Chani, on line three, you're on the air with Mordechai. Yes, hi, how are you? Baruch Hashem, fantastic. I have a question on how to deal with married children. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> when you don't really want to say too much, my son-in-law, after three kids, just finished a graphic course, and he's been looking for a job, but he can't seem to find one. Yes. Um, and now he's sort of no place. Yes. You know, he, what do you say? How do you deal with it? My daughter's working full-time. She'd like to cut down. I, I, it's not good for him. Of course. So now let me ask you, what is your question? Because I hear so many different components to this question. I hear your question going, as a mother-in-law, should I tell him something? As a mother to my daughter, should I tell my daughter something? Should I give them money? Should I help them out? Should I try to find them a job? Like, I hear so many different components to this question. Tell me what is your well, primary all those co- questions, but if I can't find them a job, how do, I, how do I encourage them? Excellent. So let's first take a step back. And I appreciate the question. I'm going to elaborate a little bit this question at this point. And just for those of you that would like to call, the number is 718 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And looking forward to taking your questions. We'll take all mental health questions or topics that you got out there. Just requesting that if it's a parenting question, it's got to be for children above nine years old. Children above nine years old, if it's a parenting question. Then we're going to take one or two questions from the Lakewood School. So your question is, you have basically, Baruch Hashem, your daughter is working full-time, has three kids, your son-in-law has just taken a graphic course and has not found a job yet. What do you do? How do you encourage them? Correct. One of the points that I find, which is now almost for our from world, because it's completely isolated to a from orthodox world where the son-in-laws are sitting and where the women are having a job, what usually what that means is what that entitles if the husband is learning, let's say for five years, there's Merit Hashem, Hashem grants everything goes easy and well. There's usually two to three children at that stage. The wife is working full time, but at three children now you want to start slowing down. Now to start making a parnasa for the husband. At that stage, a family is usually running about fifty to $70,000 of expenses between the playgroups, between health insurance, between everything else that's going on, rent, food for that family. It just ends up being that number. Now, starting pay for salaries is usually $35,000. means the family's in the deficit. So right. what they, and they also need a job right away, so they sort of take a course, let's say, in graphic designing. But now graphic designing, they're one out of two options. Or let's say when someone takes a small a course which isn't a licensed degree that means that you're going to either have to start self-motivating yourself getting your own businesses so if it's in graphics how will i have companies do the graphics by me will he work for a company that will hire him but then again the pay is much less or will he do it for himself which the money is more but then there's a lot of time that it has to be put in now for parents since it's in that system where the parents are usually helping out financially, emotionally, taking kids sometimes, we're still in that parent mode. So in the non-religious world, in the non-Jewish world, people are getting married much older. When do they get married? They're completely on their own. In our from world, as a parent, you're still connected. 
you're still involved. They still need you. And that's why it gets so complicated in our world. When they say the shvigers are mixing in, they're really not because we have them mixing. If you're having your mother-in-law watch the kids, you have, you're going there for Shabbosim. You're, you know, your Paying wife... Expenses. What? Paying expenses. Paying expenses. You are involved. So how could you have someone say, oh, give me all the money, but don't say a word. That's practically impossible. It's like telling your son-in-law, make money without having a job. It doesn't work that way. So what I would recommend... Whoops, looks like we lost you, Hani. It's okay. What I would recommend to you is to recognize that your role is changing now. Aaron, if we can just um, disconnect from the line. Hani. Yeah. Um, so what's happening is recognize that as now Hashem, they're married for for this X amount of years, let's make the assumption of five years, here's where you remain quiet. The financial, if you'd like, you could tell them where I'm financially going to start disconnecting or sort of giving it. Like in three months, I'll cut back this. and six months, cut back that. And in a year, you'll be phasing it out. So it gives many times a motivation because sometimes people need that push. Wow, I got to start doing things. Sometimes many people say, I can't start a job of $35,000 a year when I need to make 50 or 60. And the answer to that is, well, if you don't start for 35, you're not going to hit 60 or that 50 or 60. And you therefore, you got to do that. So the goal that we need to recognize is to start slowly. And when you disconnect and let them, five years is already a healthy time for them to reach their balance. For your daughter to be able to start complaining to her husband saying, I'm so tired, I don't have kayak now, I can't. The kids are getting older, I need to start doing homework, I need to start spending more time with them, I can't work and be that tired. So that is a point that's very important for us to recognize. I would really recommend that you don't give much advice. You sort of just say, listen guys, you guys are older, you guys have done your own things, and my budget that I need to do is now to start cutting back. And that's really what I would do. Tell them I'm, I've got a listening ear. You would like to discuss anything with me. I'm available. But you want them to come forward. You don't want to be the meddler mother-in-law. But at the same time, if you are helping out financially, start disconnecting on a way that when there's a pressure, you will see how things always work out. No one is ever starving. People always work it out. It might be harder on your daughter, but that's going to be part of the job where you need to disconnect and let her husband take over that concern. Let her husband start feeling that issue that, it's being that it's hard on my wife. Look how difficult it is. Look how the kids are being affected. And many times when there is a need, that's what I find so important, the power of leadership that I tell when people have a difficulty, I tell them just take a position of leadership. Be a God, the Gabe in Shul. Ask people certain things, whatever it should be in the community. When there is a responsibility put on us, it's amazing how much we accomplish. And that's what we see when there are goals, when there are terms, when there are times that you've got to finish for midterms or finals. We're up at night, but we get it done. When you don't have that midterm, you don't have that final, you don't have that goal, what you're setting, you usually won't hit anything. So the focus is let your children connect at a healthy level. Start setting up your timetable of when you're going to be disconnecting as much as you can disconnect to let the couple start being a couple entity without relying on mommy and tati for that much help. Thank you for that question. And first pat yourself on the back for having and being such a great parent that you helped out your children this long, and if your husband was sitting and learning, what a great schuss his learning was being helped by your financing, and if he was trying to make parnasa, what a great parent you are, that you're helping your son-in-law and your daughter to be able to make a great parnasa by helping them out. But there comes a time when we need to cut that cord and say, now you're strong enough, you'll do it on, your, on yourself. We're going to take a question from the Lakewood School. In regard to borderline grandparents, parents, and the mitzvah kibbutz of aim, would you be able to share with us a rav that is competent and knowledgeable in these issues that are able 
to guide you through Das Torah. Thank you for your time if you're such a great show. Of course I can. And the answer is your Rav. If you dive in a small shul of 20 mispalim or 10 mispalim, you ask the Rav, who is someone that he knows that can deal with the Shailas of Kibbutz Avim when he gets competent? Each person must find someone in their kehila. If you're a Hasidish, find someone from your Hasidish that you belong to. If you're a Litvish or if you daven in Flatbush, find someone from there. If you're in Lakewoods, from someone from there. If you're working and you're davening in a different type of kehila of working people, ask your Rav if he's competent, if he knows how to deal with this, or who's the ones that he deals with it. These Shailas, I find, are very, very, very focused on which society and which kehila you belong to the answers are along the same theme, but how to do it are always going to be different. Next question from the Lakewood Scoop. Number four. Hi, my nine-year-old daughter is the youngest in the family of the older children. She is very manipulative and spoiled when she comes home from school. And I say, hi, how was your day? She'll tell me, ma, you don't greet me loud enough. Say it again. Or if I tell her to go into pajamas or brush her teeth, she'll say, Why should, what should I... What should I do after pajamas? She knows good and well what to do. And like asking over and over the same things as if she didn't hear me. She is driving us all nuts. Please give me tips how to stay calm when she acts like the two-year-old that doesn't comprehend. She is very bright and top of her class. Thank you. And I would tell you from the basic concepts of family order, she is acting like a classical, classical child, um, youngest child, which means... They take two different roles. Sometimes the youngest child is very responsible, like the first, but sometimes the youngest as well gets away with everything. And it's because of subconscious how we view our, the youngest child. Oh, this is my baby. And notice that when you think of them in a certain position emotionally, their emotions will act that way. So let me clarify what I'm saying. I find that when I meet people, I do two evaluations. One, a cognitive evaluation, logically. How old are they? How old are they physical body? How old do they sound logically? And how old do they sound when they're emotional? So sometimes I can have a 40-year-old person tell me, I can't take this job and I can't do this and I can't do that. A whole bunch of reasons why they can't do things. And I ask them, how old are you sounding? Do you sound like you're 40 or do you sound like you're 7? And then we go, okay, so our job is to get you emotionally up to your age that you're in. To start saying, how can I? How will you? And that is very, very important. So this question about this girl, this nine-year-old is, I would recommend a parent take a parenting course. You're going to see how you're going to be structured. Part of that parenting course will be for you to change your view on your child of not viewing them as the youngest. If your child would have been the oldest, what would you have done? Sometimes I have a parent say, oh, I would have yelled at them and said, stop it and just do it. Well, then you know something? I'm not a big fan of yelling. But you need to shift your view, see them as the older one, and that's what we will do. Um, let's go over here to a couple more questions on the Lakewood Scoop. Thank you for taking my question above. Re please read reply to post number two. By the way, you're right on. I have plenty of My meds are not completely... Oh, this is to question number two where the person asked about ADD, about the old, adult ADD. Glad to hear that I was right on. So let's see what the information was. You're, wait, let's just go back to that number six. Let me continue. I remember number two. Number two is the guy that he's ADD. He was diagnosed through his child, and he's still not able to focus, still not able to daven. What do I recommend? So what my first point was, it doesn't sound like the, me the medication was adjusted correctly. That's part of a job that I do as a therapist, which is kind of interesting, is just to see how it's going and say, hey, we need to be in touch with a doctor, just like we need to be in touch with Rabbanim. Therapists also need to be in touch with a doctor, and when it doesn't happen, I find that actually the clients are not getting the best care that's needed. What they need to do is to make sure that they're actually getting 
that the medication is appropriate and sometimes the doctors don't get the feedback from the clients. So what we want to be able to do is we want to be able to make sure the doctors being given this information that yes, it's working, things are much better but still not good enough. So let's go ahead and read now the post by number six by Shimmy. By the way, you're right on. I do have plenty of stress and my mids are not completely adjusted yet. I also need to educate myself with what are my expectations with the mids and what am I really capable of doing as having ADD. I always thought to myself, even before being diagnosed, even if I don't understand a word that I'm saying, Hashem does understand, and that's what I need. That's exactly what you need, but that's what everyone needs. So, my friend, you're going through a process of adjustment stage. Sounds like your therapist is right on, Baruch Hashem, knows exactly what's going on. I hope your therapist is the one that's, that's telling you that the medication isn't adjusted yet completely. And therefore, with Siata Deshmaya, you're going to be able to grow. Let's go up to question number five. Love the show, and I am envious of your schar. Oh, thank you. I just hope, Merit Hashem, to be here a very long time to wait till we get that schar. My 16-year-old has a problem expressing himself, sort of keeps his emotions to himself. He also has a problem with word retrieval. Do you recommend a speech therapist that can help with his age? He is not very, he is not very young, and I do not have time to play around. Well, first of all, let's calm down. 16-year-old Baksham is very young, so relax about that. Now, at the same time, what the issue is that we have different points that we want to work on word, reach, word retrieval and speech. Um, it's kind of interesting how to deal with that, which let's clarify. Emotions are extremely important for children to have, very important for ch children and even for adults to express. There are some people that are not emotional people. And that's, again, where marriage issues come in, where people aren't so emotional, they're married to a spouse that is very emotional. Now, what happens if you have that cases, people will start saying, oh, this person is crazy, this person is so cold. They might be, and they might have emotional issues they can't express, or they might just be a nature that, that just don't need to express much. But what happens when someone is an emotional, expressive person and they don't have the words to express? This is quite important because these people sometimes feel trapped. Word retrieval means that, let's say I'm thinking of a specific word and I just don't know what it is, so now I've got to give 10 other words to explain what that thought is. At the same time, what happens with word retrieval is it can be very difficult for them to take tests because they know the answer and all of a sudden they just don't know the right words or all of a sudden they start having doubt because they don't have the word, they start thinking things over several times and therefore they're having a difficult time with, their, with taking a test. So they might not get good marks while they're very smart, but sometimes when they can talk it out, to use many words, it might help them out. So definitely um, a speech pathologist is one of the people that can work on that is good for that. And that's sometimes what speech therapists are trained to do, how to articulate a word, how to clarify your thoughts, and now put them into words. As well as, again, here's where I would send to relief or to echo. I've recently done a little research, and I haven't been able to actually get such a conclusive bit of information but I was also asking the wrong age, so I was speaking to someone in the not correct department for word retrieval, but it's important to find someone that might be also an expert in special education, because in special education they're able to work that out, to recognize maybe there's, there's some dyslexia going on or some other points, and once you work on that, it can happen. But understand, it can affect a 16-year-old where their confidence might be knocked down or they're feeling about themselves, or when they can't say what they want, it holds themselves back. So focus on that. Yes, I would say suggest you call Relief, call Echo, and let's see what they recommend. 
The number to call in with your question or comment is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858, Esther on line one. Thank you for holding. We're going to take your question. Hello. Yes. Um, I'm 23, and I have a sister. I just have one older sister that's four and a half years older than me. Two and a half years old. It's just, it's just coming out a little low on my end. Four and a half years older than me. Yes, four and a half years older. Let me do, just a second. I'll switch phones for you. Sure. Hello? Ah, now we hear you. Okay. Now, I have three older brothers and just one older sister. Now, she is jealous about me for every single thing in my life. Yes. And I know how to deal with it because let's say if I come with my kids to my mother's house, she sees them dressed yet. This is the kind of outfit I would need. Where did you get it? Um, and every single thing in my life, your house is nicer than mine. Mommy bought you nicer stuff. Uh, you can't, I can't even explain it because it's, she's jealous about my, just that I'm alive, like my personality. And the only time she lives it up is when I'm sick. Then she just starts with all of her advice, and she comes and she would help me. But, like, if I have a baby, then she wouldn't even care because, like, you had like a simcha now, so only if I'm really sick or I'm not feeling well, then she would be my like she would be my good sister. Okay. So first, let's take your question and make it very normal. Every family has got that one or two siblings that only feel good when they look at the others and they say the other one is not so successful. Now I can help. Now I can get respect. Now I have a position in the family. Now I can finally get happiness. No, she even said like. You stole my place as the oldest daughter. Good. So let's take a step me, back. Let's way, recognize. Let's recognize that she's feeling not that it's correct in reality, but her feelings are right. How would you expect her to feel if someone comes in and just takes away the whole role? And we have similar to that when a kid is in class, the whole main guy, and all of a sudden a new kid comes in and takes over the whole role. How yeah, but would it's not like I've chosen this. Let's take a step back. This is normal. How do you expect her to feel? And so we're going to educate what we can do about it. But we first want to normalize your feelings and normalize her feelings. Do, can we understand her? Can we give her some sympathy, some empathy? Can we feel bad for her? Here's a girl that she, was, she got all the love, she got all the attention. Then comes this youngest little girl. And now she takes over. All the family talks about is her. She's the baby of the family. She comes and everyone's smiling. Whatever she does, everything is great. And all of a sudden, she became the middle child syndrome. No one looks at her. No one cares about her. Oh, no, but, yeah? But no, sorry. I guess I missed the point because I'm not the youngest of the family. I have another five siblings okay, under me. Okay, but somehow you're getting that love of that. So between the four-year difference or whatever happened, you became like you got that role co compared to her. You became the youngest child sibling, sibling and she became the middle child s syndrome. This is, a, this is a game that's now playing itself out. Unless we start changing the dance or changing the beat, the dance is going to continue, and it doesn't matter the age. Like you said, she's got kids and you've got kids, but that same song is playing over and over and over. Do you notice that? Yeah, like, so what can I do? Because it's not, sometimes my husband says, like, don't go, don't go to your mother because if she's there, because she'll be jealous. Or we were thinking of buying an apartment. My husband said, maybe let's wait a year or two because we're still young, and then she's going to be jealous. So I can't run my whole life around what she's going to think. Exactly. Now, there are many Gemaras where it's wonderful to be compassionate for someone else and to feel for someone else, and it is important, but you cannot live your life based on someone else's disorder or someone else's weakness. You're, you're allowed to, and again, I would suggest you speak to a Rav just to get this clear, but this is what I've gotten from several times, is 
if you're living your life not in, in intention to hurt someone else, because I've heard many times where people where we work with therapy and people have an issue with ayin hara, and they're very worried about that. Generally, the consensus that I got across the board from many different rabbanim about ayin hara is as follows. When you do something and you want to impress the other one, then it's possible for ayin hara to take an effect. Or when you want to hurt someone with what you just built, then ayin hara can take effect. But again, I've also heard from different rabbanim, again, each one must run it by your, your kila. When you live and you're doing what you need to do for yourself, not for someone else, not to impress them, not to hurt them, just because that's what you need to do. So if your eyes have nowhere for the other person, then you don't have the eyes looking back at you. And that means one of the top suggestions that I have is, number one, you must live your life. You go when you want to go if it's about you. You buy what you need to buy, it's about you, as long as it's not about the other one. Now, that's step one, about your life. Step two is one of the ways that you break the this whole family structure of middle child syndrome, oldest child syndrome, youngest child syndrome, or, or, or order, is by actually discussing it. When the older child will tell the other three, four kids in the family, saying, I do not want to carry now the family when there is an issue going on. Who wants to take over this role? And then all of a sudden it's discussed. And this one says, okay, I'll have that. And you'll still find that people call up the older brother, and the older brother goes, nope, nope, or the older sister. This one is taking over for now, and it changes. And also you see the way that second one or third one, whichever one volunteers, changes their role. My real recommendation to you is to first try speaking to her directly and telling her, do you know that when you say, where did you buy this, I always need this, or, or, when, or I feel that you're only happy when I'm not successful. Is that so? Bring it up. Say, are you once I told her that my, I got a present from my husband of the jewelry piece, and... She was. She told me I'm jealous, and I said, "Why are you jealous? I mean." No, 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 no! Don't go why. Let's understand her. Don't go why. We understand why she's jealous. Why? I mean, I can't understand. She has four kids. Her husband's working. She's successful. She doesn't even see what's good in her life. She's only. Okay, so I see. I see. So I see. We first need to step one is first feel for her. Let me explain to you what's not going well in her life. She was a person. Let me give you an example where there's a quote that I quote many times. Some people are so poor that all they have is money. Some people are so poor that all they have is money. It's not about what you have that will make you happy. It's about how you feel about what you have. What's the feeling on the inside? That's where therapy is coming in. Interesting to use that one twice in one day, in one program. If your sister feels her position of love was taken away from someone... The position where everyone goes, oh, wow, look who just came in. So you said your name is Esther. We're assuming it's not. Look, Esther no, just it is, came. And you know me, by the way. So I, I have funny because I don't know you, so I'm not recognizing no, you your do, voice. Because, well, All right, no, so let's go this way. I don't recognize your voice, so let's just do it this way. So if this sister feels, she walks in, and we'll call her Devorah, and all of a sudden, Devorah, oh, hi, Devorah, and all of a sudden, look, Esther's here. Then she feels, and everyone sees that just the family is not aware of what they're doing, she became second class, and in her feelings, she's feeling second class wherever she goes. Now, if this happened from the day you were born, and all of a sudden she lost that position, it makes now within herself, and that's where she will need her therapy, that's a separate issue, but wherever she goes, she will feel second class. These are the people that then feel second class at work, where other people get the promotions ahead of them, these are the people that give advice to other people. And instead of saying, oh, you know, the Devorah told it to me, they take it as their own. These are the people that feel stepped on, feel trampled on, feel neglected, feel abused by people always in life. That's her issue. 
But I need you to realize you being born at that position did change or appears to have changed the family feelings to her. And that changed her position. I feel we got to be very sad for your sister, for the pain she's going through for all these years. Could we at least first give her empathy? Could you, do you feel bad? Let's say what roles would have been reversed and you would have been in your sister's place. How would you have felt? It used to be, wow, Esther came in and now, hi Esther. Oh, look, Devorah came. How would you have felt? Huh? I don't know because... Let's, I'm asking you. How would they make an assumption? How would you feel if you come in and people don't really look at you? You buy clothing and they go, eh, Devorah buys much nicer. She has better taste. You should really speak to Devorah. Could it hurt me, but, but I don't think it, like, it doesn't even happen by Wait, her. well, let's like, see. Oh, it'll hurt you. Wait, that does happen two, three times. What would happen if that would happen for about the most important 10, 15 years of your life over and over? Yeah, maybe I would have become a complex stone. Exactly. So first step is understand your poor sister. She's a wonderful girl. And for whatever reason, now I'm not even saying that's accurate what no, happened. but I feel like she's choosing now because she's 28. She's oh, an adult. now you're starting to the next step. Here's where people go, why do you need therapy? The guy is depressed. Just get out of it. Right? Well, that's something that a healthy person is easy to just get out of. That is one of the main points that we learn in therapy. In the first half a year of therapy school in psychology, uh, at least in social work school, what they teach us is, understanding that you got to go where the person is at your sister right now has got two broken legs she wasn't given the assurance that she needed like you were given she wasn't given the ability to say wow you're special that kids need at those years she wasn't given the ability to be able to trust her opinion because eh, but esther oh she wasn't given the position to feel she's special now someone that's got two broken legs now you want them to just get over it to run the marathon Again, I'm still not telling you you're wrong in anything you've done. I'm just trying to create an understanding as to what's happening in your sister's life. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get you to understand that people just can't get over with it. And that's so like, what it's... How should I deal with it? Oh, like, well, you see, you're already jumping. You're already going to solutions. Let's first understand the problem. And I feel sometimes, and part of me speaking is a little bit from my frustration as a therapist, when people tell me, okay, this is the problem. The kid was neglected all his life. He's now 30 years old. Just give him that speech. Give him that confident speech. You can do it. You'll be successful in three sessions. Move on. That only works if someone's got the inner ability. But when you've got to start building a person from scratch of no confidence, doesn't know how to trust themselves, doesn't know how to make mistakes, feels worthless every time they try something, does not know how to defend themselves verbally, how to, how to go into a situation, does not know how to take heat, of classical, just normal pains of life. First, let's give empathy. My first thing is when you see a sister, feel bad for her. Say, wow, look at what this girl is missing. Look what this girl doesn't have. How could she ever be happy in anything that she has? She was practically robbed of a childhood. Now, we're not blaming anyone. We're just stating facts now. Does that make sense for us? I want you to stay a little bit feeling for her. No, it makes sense. Do you have pity for your sister now? Do you look at her with Rahmanus? I mean, I guess it's not going to happen in 15 minutes, but, like, I do, but I feel like she's choosing it, so... All right, because so, then, so then we're not yet at the solution stage. The first stage is first to understand. Before we go to the answer, you always need to understand the problem, because if you're focused on solutions and not understanding the problem, your solutions are never going to work. If you cannot feel or understand and sit a little with what it must be like, and I would really recommend for you to listen over to this program once it's posted, 
either go on the jrootradio.com, their website, or you can go to my phone line at 718-298. Yeah, I listen to it all the time. Okay, on the phone line, I would recommend and there'll one of those buttons, like six to go back, mm -hmm. and, and however it goes, or three is, or four is to go back. Listen to this piece over and over. I want you to hear over and over what a difficult and neglected childhood your sister is feeling. Now, I'm not saying, it's, I'm not saying your parents did anything wrong. I'm not saying it's even accurate. Many times no, it I could because I know she's told my parents that she didn't do a good job raising her. That so. is not correct. Your parents might have done the best job. I work with children all the time when the parents give them more love, more time, more attention, and the kid is still saying it wasn't enough. We're not saying your parents did anything wrong here. Absolutely not. Your parents could have done everything correct, and your sister might not have wanted to take help, might not have wanted to accept the love that they gave. Your sister might have her issues that she needs to take ownership over. But before we go to that, we first need understanding. First, understand the pain that she's walking around with. Understand the guilt that she walks around with. Understand that she herself knows that she should be able to move on. She's married and she's got children and she should be happy. And she's still walking around. I want to, but I got two broken legs. I can't run that marathon. But I don't feel you're ready. If you'd like, then listen to it over and over my phone line. Listen just to this part. And Mary Tisham, call back next week. And once we hear empathy in your voice, feeling bad for your sister, now we can start going to solutions. But it's got to marinate. So I would say session one for you. We can't jump to session one until we go through session one, then two, then three. Mm -hmm. This idea for you is understanding your daughter, your sister, is giving her time, giving her feelings, and giving her acceptance for her feelings and how sad it might feel to be going, to being raised in something like that. Let's go ahead. The number to call in, we're going to take one or two more questions. Is 718-6, you're very welcome, 683-5858, And for those of you that would like to ask a parenting question, please make sure that it's just about a child over the age of nine, we'll say. Um, we're going to go to Devora. Devora, are you on, on line five? Are you still holding? Yes, I am. Hi. Oh, thank, thank you. You held quite a while. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, We might take another question or two. Go ahead, Devora. Okay. Um, I have a student who has ADD. Yes. In the beginning of the year, her like the first after the first couple of days of school, when I called all the parents to introduce myself, um, I asked her, "Is there anything you want me to know about your daughter?" And she told me, "Yeah, she probably has ADD. I never took her for an evaluation, and I really don't want to medicate her. But if you tell me that I have to, then." Um, then we'll think about it, then maybe we'll do it. And I told her then, um, I don't want to be the one to tell you you have to medicate your child, but we'll see as the year goes on. Um, as the year went on, it got harder and harder, and the first PTA, like, I slightly recommended, maybe we go for an evaluation, and she, like, totally took the other end of, no, everything's fine, I think we're going to not do it. Um, and, like, went totally the opposite direction. Um, as the second PTA is coming along, I feel it even stronger um besides for like dealing with her mother and the medication part leaving that aside i was wondering in the classroom how much of it can i expect of her and i don't expect of her much because i just i don't have time or energy to fight so i just feel how like old is she um lower elementary lower elementary all right so number one i would first have a meeting with the parents okay let's go let's go to your second part first how much can you expect of her um, right, how much can I expect of her, or um, how much is it me just... Me so this is a question now where you would, I would even recommend that you speak to the principal about it, because we need to I know... I did, and she was, I did, and she was like, really, it's up to the mother. 
Okay. She did. She suggested it also, but she can't. Okay, so then now we, now we shift the responsibility onto the mother, telling the mother as follows, look, I am teaching the entire class. Your daughter is not, or son, whoever it is, is not able to be up to par, and I cannot spend 80% of my time for one or two kids. So therefore, I am going to be lowering my standards. I will show you a test or information that the rest of the class knows. Your child is being is missing that information, and it's going to be your achrayas. In fact, it's your decision what you would like to do about it. And if she's not disturbing the class, now you shift it onto the parents and just telling them be aware that the class is now like every two months, sort of, or every month. This is what the class knows. This is what your daughter knows. So, so all this, they can literally see the class can do plus minus. The class can do already times. Your kid is barely or you know can't even do. You know the basic. Or how about not even how about not even academic responsibilities, but like responsibilities as in never having her supplies or always. You let go, and, and that's what you have to the parents. So you send a note every three or four weeks, once a month, with the evaluation. So far, it's been already four weeks this month since the last one. Your daughter has never taken out her her. She has forgotten to bring her homework. She doesn't have her supplies. She's always bringing. She's bringing the wrong book. She left the book. This is now, let's say, the tenth time that she hasn't had her book, classical, and um, you know, just be aware of what's happening. And you can write out of, let's say, 20 girls in the class, 19 have had it um, at least, let's say, out of 30 days, have had it 25 days. Your daughter has had it three days. When they see it in front of their eyes, and then they start seeing the gap, because as you're teaching more and more information, now the class is all reading you know, six-letter words or eight-letter words. And your child is still having a difficult reading two and it two letter words or three letter words it's going to start being more pronounced the separation and the differences between the two between that and that's usually what a wake-up call to parents because when parents feel i don't get negative calls and the kid's not complaining they think it's okay and when you meet once a year or twice a year at the pta oh it's no big deal but it is actually a very big deal and the kids get the bigger the gap, trying to make up two years of elementary, of education, is a big deal for children to catch up with. And in class to give in to her or to, like, there's no point in her sitting quietly because she doesn't have a pencil or her book, but... Well, one on of the, the things to be aware of, if kids are ADD, they need to walk, means they can think clearer when they walk. They feel better... When they walk? When they walk, literally. It depends okay. if they're ADHD or not. But they need stimulants. You might want to just, let's say, just for yourself, get her a coloring book, get her a, a book with riddles so she'll keep things quiet. Find a way that you can stimulate her then other than class stuff because she will be disturbing because she needs other stuff to do. Let her knit. Oh, I don't know. Well, you know, let, just pick up some hobby and do it. It's, and she might even listen more. Be aware that ADD children, when their hands are busy, when they're busy with something, their brain is working faster than most people. So sometimes they can focus on two points at once. So if she might have a task like color or draw, it might help her pay attention to whatever math or whatever history or science that you're teaching. Right. And if they're ADHD, means they have the hyperactive one, means when they're walking back and forth, they're actually listening and processing. So the more they listen, the easier it is. Right. I'm going to try that, okay. And on the other, another point, um, not with this student, something else, um, Perfectionism is something that I fight very, very much against. Yes. And like when it comes to a lot of things, I on purpose will go the other direction, just not to be perfectionist. But when it comes to like marking tasks, 
and like a kid will get a whatever kind of mark, I'll always feel like less, uh, le- a little bit, I feel lesser of myself because of them, because of it. And like I always tell myself, it has nothing to do with me. Like I did my part. And, but it still like keeps on nagging every time. And like no one's getting low marks, but just lower than I would want. Yes. So first we'll congratulate yourself. Let's start with a positive. What's the positive of being a perfectionist? Um, that I'll do things the right way. You'll do things? Or I'll, mm-hmm. I'll want to do things right. Or That's wanna... right. You're going to want to do things right. You're going to want to do things better. You're always looking to grow. You're able to evaluate yourself and look at yourself and do self-introspection. Look at yourself a little and bit do too some... much. What? A little bit too much, but yeah. That's right. That's going to be the negative to the perfectionist. But you can do you can do introspection, which many people can't. So you're evaluating yourself. You're making sure that things are balanced. You're someone that's always going to be growing. You're someone that you you're fantastic. Let's say owners of company. You're a great mother, Merit Hashem. You're just able to be aware and how to change things. And if there's a problem coming up, you're able to focus on them right away and deal with it. Those are the positives to perfectionists. <clears throat> The okay. negatives to perfectionists are unfortunately something that I would say is one of the greatest issues that I find in the from world. I would say if I would need to give my number one diagnosis to the from world that I'm working with people all day is perfectionism. And that is too much introspection, too much thinking I should have done more, too much thinking about what could have been better and in reality it could not have been better. Too much regrets on once your hindsight is 2020. Once you're in the future, you look back. Oh, I should have done things differently. And those usually knock down your self-esteem, never feel happy, never feel valued, can't appreciate things that you do, always got something else to do on your task list. There isn't that peacefulness. There isn't that inner calmness in there. Correct? Makes sense. Do you know who I am? (laughs) No, but just classic, classic. So we're just okay. going to announce, because I'd like to take one more question. Still after yours, and that number is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And the point that I would like to sort of clarify for you to recognize how we'll do with emotions, how you clear up perfectionist a little bit, is, is for us to recognize if you can visualize yourself, what would put you completely at ease? And that means... Give yourself that, uh, that perfectionist picture. Everyone's getting hundreds. Everyone loves you. You're done. You have, you have 50 hours to your day. Well, everyone only has 24, so you could get everything in there. A picture that you're completely done and see how you feel relaxed and at ease. And when you stick to that feeling, visualize it, then you feel yourself. It's the Atadashmaya. That's one of the main benefits that help for perfectionists, the visualization of peace and of strength. Okay. All right. Thank you for Thank that you question. Thank you very much. You're very Thank welcome. You. And we're going to go to our last caller, Nahama. You're the last caller for today, this program, Ertzeshem. You're on the air with Mordechai. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I have a combination, almost a wrap-up of everything you've spoken about today between the jealous siblings of... I have no clue what might make them jealous, but they have... Of my of my independence, of my you know just working above my situations, of my daughter who used to do math on rollerblades, and that was the only way she did her math properly. It was 
I, I was so... When I heard that moving around and doing your work, doing your work while moving around, I had me stunned. Wow. I thought I was hit by a stun gun. Thank you. My daughter now is 29 years old, and she is unfortunately not doing very well because the um, it was ripped out of my hands by professionals, unfortunately the wrong ones. Yeah. And um, at a very young age, the Privacy Act, unfortunately, was pulled in, and... Um, Parents were to blame for everything that the child was suffering from, but unbelievable, she did math amazingly on rollerblades. Yes, around that's the classical house, ADD, around ADHD. the house. Yes, around the house and treated. She is an amazing, amazing, amazing girl. Yes, she's amazing. Yes, and unfortunately, she settled herself down into a um, an institution where she will not have to be ever. Um, asked to do anything. Oh. But yeah. um, the whole thing, the, 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 the jealousy of the siblings, and not because I ever got anything more than they did. They all That's had... Right. I came way after them, and the, my parents did not have the patience to do anything with me, and neither did the siblings, but I just pulled myself up, and I said, I am just not going to mope about it. I'm going to make a life for myself, regardless of what. And Let me tell you one thing, oh Nafama. Let me tell you one thing, and also to the listeners that were before that mentioned that, let's say, about the jealousy. Can I just, can okay. I just throw sure. in one more thing? Please. One more thing. Sure. I tell people, if you sit down and you take the person that you're most angry at, and you say, I am angry about at them, your stomach will hurt you. Yes. But if you turn it around to Rahmanis, you're going to feel much better. You're hurting yourself by being angry. Yes. Not the person that you're angry at. Yes. Yes. And in fact, it's more than that. Anger, sometimes we're angry at another person. Every time you're angry, imagine you're taking a pill of poison. And Correct. you're saying, I'm angry at that person. The only one you're harming is yourself, your family, and your loved ones. Nechama, I want to give you uh, just a little bit of chizik, a little bit of strength, motivation, and also to Esther, that when she called in, it's about the successful people, people will be jealous, people will first ignore you, then when you're successful, they will be envious and they might attack you, but if you continue, they will be saying, oh, I made them, I love them, so it's just being part of the process, sticking to the process, shining, being your bright star, your great strength, doing your path, and you will see how everyone follows along. We just want to have the empathy for those people, the sympathy feeling for those that don't have their inner strength to do their own path or to make their own path. It's so much nicer to walk on your own snow, your own tread, your own feet marks, and go step on that new fresh one than to have to walk in someone else's steps and start thinking, did they take a bigger step or a smaller step? Shine, be bright, around. be great. I actually turned it around. That's I'm right. sorry, I actually turned it around and I turned it around by helping others that are in this kind of a situation. Wonderful, wonderful. I think I, we've got just so, about 30 seconds left over here. Nechama, I'd like to thank you for that. Thank you Amen. so much for your program. I appreciate that. How much longer do we have, Aaron? Just uh... All right, so I guess what I would say is thank you all for listening. It is a pleasure to have you all, the fantastic questions that we've had, the different people that we're calling in. Appreciate it, and we'll see you after the Shmaya. We should have lots of success, lots of growth, 
And we should all recognize the strength within ourselves that when we help others, or when we help ourselves, we're helping others. And if others are jealous of us, we will continue that next week. Hopefully, when Esther will call up and we'll follow up. And once we got that feeling of sympathy for that family member, then we can take it to the next level.